liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe This is one of the most jaw-dropping interviews I've ever done. So instead of waiting and pairing it with another longer form interview, I'm going to upload this solo because I, I felt like it was important enough to get out to my audience immediately. All I ask is that if you think that this is valuable information, which I certainly do, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this without any sponsors or anything like that, uh, please share it, subscribe, like, help with the algos by leaving a comment down below. Uh, but most importantly, share it around because this is... I think it's important that people are aware if this is correct. If my assessment after receiving this information from Judge Andrew Napolitano is correct, it's going to be uh, earth shattering. And I am as stunned as anybody because I have been bad mouthing the FBI uh, basically since birth. So anyways, without further ado, you judge for yourself. Here we go. Welcome back to Liberty Lockdown. And it's Thursday. And you know what day that is? It is Judge Andrew Napolitano Day. The best <laughs> constitutional scholar. I've never, I've never had. Uh, good afternoon, my dear, wonderful friend. I've never had a day in my honor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is your day now, brother. This is your day. Uh, so, uh, well, first off, let me just mention uh, he is the host of Judging Freedom. He just had uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor on again, and it was a great interview. Everybody, go check that out. Uh, let's let's hop right into this. Uh, obviously, the the pressing question everyone's having is. Uh, First off, do you have any insight? I know I've I've been following you, but for my audience's sake, do you have any insight as to what the smoking gun they were after was, or is this purely a political hit piece uh, with you're, the FBI raid? You're talking Trump? about the FBI executing a search warrant at the home of former President Trump. Yes, right. Well, as we speak, uh, we have learned that a grand jury uh, issued a subpoena to the president for all documents which he uh, had taken uh, from the White House. And he certified under oath that he complied with that subpoena. And oh. then apparently somebody that works in, in his uh, premises of Mar-a-Lago tipped off the FBI that the president did not comply fully with the subpoena and was still holding documents. And that's what uh, prompted the raid. Now, if that's true, and if any of the documents they seized are of a national security level, we're not talking about a cocktail napkin where he played tic-tac-toe with the Queen of England. You know, we're talking about something, the revelation of which could impair national security, like names of foreign agents that cooperate with the U.S. Uh, the president, the former president, will be in very, very serious hot water legally. There is the potential for perjury by having told the grand jury he complied when he didn't. And there's the potential for violating a statute that he signed into law in 2018 over his anger and animosity about Hillary Clinton, which actually tightened the regulations about failing to protect matters of national security. So I don't think this is political at all. I say this as somebody who's known him and been his friend for 35 or 40 years and who was twice on his short list for the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm just trying to look at this as a judge would look at it. 
No, now, I appreciate you are that. you are speaking with one of the few judges, though of course I am now a former judge in the country who turned down requests for search warrants. Most of these are routinely granted. I can't imagine that this was routinely granted given who he is. So it, it would have required at a minimum two FBI agents and two lawyers from the DOJ, probably one from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami. That's the federal court closest to where his home is. And one in charge of the investigation from the DOJ in D.C. going to a federal judge. The FBI agents would have submitted affidavits in advance stating in great detail what they're looking for and where they expect to find it and how they know it's there. Interesting. Then, well, they, then the, the lawyers would have to have demonstrated to the judge that A, a crime was committed, not necessarily by him, by Trump, but by somebody, but B, that it is more likely than not, this is the language from the Fourth Amendment, that they will find evidence of crimes in the place to be searched or the person or things to be seized. Hmm. So the all of our conservative and some libertarian friends that have been jumping down the throats of the FBI have to take a step back now because Trump materially misled the public when he said this could have been done by a subpoena. It was done by a subpoena, and in the opinion of the DOJ and some internal undercover person at Mar-a-Lago, he didn't comply with the subpoena. Well, that's that does. Uh, I am one of the libertarians that has been jumping down the throat of the FBI. And for the record, I don't intend to stop jumping down their throat because I think that they shouldn't exist. But uh, well, I will say you're right. They are unrecognized by the Constitution. Right. You know, there are fifty five hundred. You know, this, Clint, we've talked about it. Five thousand five hundred federal criminal statutes. In my opinion, only two <laughs> are constitutional. The one that prohibits treason and the one that prohibits debasing the money supply because those are the only two mentioned in the Constitution. Madison intended all other criminal prosecutions to be done by the states. They're going to have their own mini FBIs. Yeah. Well, th this, uh, I mean, I'm going to have to totally reorient my questioning here because I was assuming you were going to tell me this was a political hit job and then uh, I was going to migrate from there into what could DeSantis do, what could state governors do to uh, perhaps, well, let me ask that question anyways. Assuming uh, assuming that this is a trumped up charge, no pun intended, uh, which it isn't, it sounds like, uh, what could a state governor do in terms of their 10th Amendment rights and things of that nature that could allow them to basically throw off the, the federal uh, powers? <sighs> FBI and I mean, short of short of seceding from the union, there's not much they can do <laughs> okay. because the Constitution has the supremacy clause in it. Mm. So when local authority clashes with federal authority, by definition, as long as it's in an area that the Congress has given to the feds and protection of state secrets is one of those areas, uh, the feds will supersede. I mean, it would have been nice if Governor DeSantis could have said to the FBI, go home. Uh, but but that would have been invalidated by a federal judge because of the uh, supremacy clause. In my opinion, he ought to be able to do that. But given the enormous size and might of the federal government and these 5,500 uh, federal criminal uh, statutes, that would be nearly impossible to do successfully today. Again, short of secession. Secession's not that far-fetched. It's not as far-fetched as it was 50 years ago or even five years ago. Yeah, no kidding. But that's what it would take.
Well, Anthony Sabatini, who's a representative out of Florida, was he was going <clears throat> very hard. <laughs> he was saying he would like to have DeSantis uh, instruct uh, local law enforcement to arrest any FBI agents operating outside the purview of you know Florida law enforcement requests, essentially. So you're you're saying that the supremacy clause would make that unconstitutional? It would in make my it- in my heart of hearts, I wish that Governor DeSantis could and successfully would do that, but it would not be successful under the law as it is currently written, understood, and interpreted uh, by federal courts. Not as Madison intended it. I told you how Madison intended it, uh, but he's dead, even though he wrote the Constitution, and the Constitution has a, the, the, the judicial interpretations of the Constitution have allowed the Congress and the executive branch to expand well outside the the borders of the Constitution. When Jefferson spoke about a government, a federal government chained down by the Constitution, I mean, those chains were broken at the time of the Civil War. They were broken again under Woodrow Wilson. They were broken again under FDR. And they've been broken by every modern post-World War II president, even Reagan, who has expanded the government more and more and more. No kidding. Uh, well, I have. Uh, well, first off, let me let me add a little note. Uh, you said that in 2018, Trump had re-upped or, or strengthened a law, basically in in an attempt to go after Hillary Clinton for the. Well, it wasn't an attempt to go after her. The statute of limitations had expired on her. Ah. It was an attempt to prevent others from getting away with what she got away with. Got so it. He's been accused of taking documents and keeping them, the physical documents, in a non-secure place. She was accused of taking emails, the digital version of the documents, not the documents themselves, right. keeping them in a non-secure place. She wiped clean, deleted permanently, destroyed whatever terminology you want to use, about 33,000 emails, among which were about 112 that included national security documents. They're, they're gone, theoretically gone forever. The, the FBI, according to Jim Comey, according to Jim Comey, was, un- <laughs> was unable to reverse engineer her destruction of the email. She hired good people to dis- to bleach her server. <laughs> right. Uh, I had a, a listener question. Um, there was Section 702. Uh, it's a key provision of the FISA Amendment Act of 2008 that permits the government to conduct targeted surveillance of foreign persons uh, located, I guess, domestically or abroad. And and it uh, it was re-upped by Donald Trump. And I just find it fascinating, given the the spying that happened on his campaign prior to coming into office, that he would re-up that. Do you have any insight as to why he would I do, do so? I do. I do. I mean, I've, uh, this was a private conversation, but I've discussed this in public many times, Clint. He called me, not about re-upping that statute, but about that section, but about re-upping another section. Hmm. And I told him... Uh, that this is the authority, not this very section, but this is the authority and the culture that caused all this spying on him. And he said, what should I do? And I said, where are you? He said, I'm in the Oval Office. I said, do you have it in front of you? He said, yes, I do. I said, put it in the drawer and lock the drawer. Well, what's that going to do? That's a pocket veto. If you veto it, the Congress, even though it was controlled by the Republicans at the time, will override your veto because everybody in the Congress is terrified of the intelligence community because the intelligence community has dirt on these people. Not everybody, 
Right. Thomas Massey's not afraid of them. Um, there actually are some people on the on the left. Senator Wyden is not uh, of uh, Oregon or Washington. I forget where he's from. Is not afraid of them. Senator Rand Paul is not afraid of them. But the vast majority of them are. They'll override your veto. But if you pocket veto it, it'll just die. Guess what? He pocket vetoed it. Not 702, but another uh, section. I think he signed 702 because everybody around him said, you got to sign it, you got to sign it, you got to sign it. There are bad people out there. Baloney just gives the NSA more cover for capturing everything that's in this. I, I'm, it's just, it's perplexing that if, if the narrative that the Trump, you know, administration as well as Trump himself have ran with, that he has been basically pursued in a witch hunt fashion for the past six years, which I think to some extent is true. Uh, why, why did he not do more? Was he just, was he not, it's just, it's perplexing to me that he wouldn't have. I'm, I'm sorry to say this. It's a fundamental lack of understanding as to how the government works. Mm -hmm. This is why, you know, nearly every president has come up through the ranks and had experience with government. I, I don't think that Donald Trump, at least for the first few years of his time in the White House, had a grasp on how the government works. Sure. He's accustomed to being the king of the hill, running the Trump organization, running it. Uh, with fabulous financial success, snapping his fingers and everybody comes to. Well, there's two other branches of government that don't care if you snap your fingers. There's even people in the executive branch, like the Pentagon, who will <laughs> yes. resist you snapping your fingers. I think it took him a while uh, to to grasp that. Yeah, well, that 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 certainly seems, from an outsider's perspective, that's kind of kind of what my assumption has been. Let, let me get one last question in here. Uh, I know we're short on time. Uh, why would Trump ha have withheld these documents? I mean, I, I just can't. I can't envision any reason to so do that so. That is a great question. And before I answer it, well, the short answer is I don't know. Of course, this statute withholding or removing classified documents to a non-secure location, otherwise known as, it's got a terrible name, espionage, is the only federal criminal statute of all 5,500, the only one that the government does not have to prove intent. Hmm. It only has to prove negligence. If he negligently held these things, if he thought he had napkins of playing tic-tac-toe with the Queen of England, but in the midst of them is a list of the people that financed 9-11. This is just hypothetical. Of course. He's still liable for keeping that in a non-secure location. And a non-secure location is defined as a non-federal location. Look, his safe is probably as, as safe as any federal location. But because the feds don't have control of it under the law, it's considered non-secure. Well, then, you know, uh, Hillary's uh, Hillary's uh, server was behind some sort of a secure wall. But again, under the law, that's not secure because it's not a federal location. Sure. Well, uh, the, it begs the question: Is this is this the end of Trump's uh, attempt at becoming president again? I mean, do you think? Well, that if this he's could convicted of if he is convicted of this crime, uh, the convicted defendant is barred from seeking federal office. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know if they're going to indict him. I don't know what they found. I don't know what he held back. I don't know what he surrendered. Of course. Um, I think we'll know soon. I think yeah. the public pressure to find out is, is extraordinary here. And somebody in the DOJ will either leak it or the attorney general will make some kind of a statement. Well, th this interview has been absolutely chilling to me because I can only imagine 
what our country looks like if there's a perp walk of a former mm. president. I can't even imagine how Listen, his supporters he, will respond. He has a, a lot of character flaws, but you cannot compare his presidency to Joe Biden's uh, in terms of the operation of the government and its uh, fidelity to a freedom. I mean, it's just two different worlds. Of course. Uh, he cannot be prosecuted for political reasons. He can only be prosecuted because if his name were Donald Jones instead of Donald Trump, would he be prosecuted? If the answer to that is yes, then he should be prosecuted. Yeah. But he can't be prosecuted for political reasons. Then, then we're a banana republic. And, and then you'll see a reaction that uh, might get out of control. Yeah. Well, my, my concern is that even if it is legitimate reasons, I'm not sure how his supporters will react to it. Um, anyways, thank you so much for your time, Judge Andrew oh, Napolitano. Always a, always a pleasure, my man, until the next Judge Napolitano Thursday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you again. All the best. I just wanted to add a, a couple quick takeaways from this. If Judge Andrew Napolitano's assessment is correct, and obviously we're operating off of very scant information or evidence at this point. We're just trying to put the pieces together. But it does sound as if there's a high probability that uh, former President Donald Trump did commit a crime. And I think that there's a very high probability, if that's the case, that he will not be able to run for president again. And I think that there's a very high probability that if that's the case, his supporters will not respond positively, to put it mildly. That makes me very nervous because they are a populist movement, uh, definitionally. and they have already they already feel you know very oppressed they already feel as if they're being attacked from all angles i can't disagree with them on that assessment uh but i think that if if donald trump did withhold these documents that had any sort of vital confidential information uh or classified information rather that uh, he he should be held to account so this is this is fascinating this is uh what a time to be alive. I really, I'm really very, 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 very nervous that uh, if he is arrested and perp walked, as I said, towards the end of that interview, I have no idea what his people will do. Like, I can't even imagine. So let's pray I'm wrong. <laughs> let's pray I'm wrong and cooler heads prevail and uh, and they find a way to to work this out. Maybe they go to Trump and just say, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to go this path for the sake of the nation but we ask that you acknowledge your misdeeds and state that you don't intend to run or something. I don't know. Some some sort of work around uh, because I'm telling you, if, if there is video footage of Donald Trump in handcuffs, all bets are off. Wow. I can't believe I'm even saying this. I can't believe I'm saying that the FBI may have actually investigated something they should have, which would be... <laughs> So, so wild. Anyways, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, s send this around to people. And if you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. And if you want to pick up one of those great Top Lobster shirts, go to toplobster.com. Uh, pray for our country. I'm not religious, but uh, man, man, I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. I'll see you guys soon. Well, you're going to see me really soon, actually, because next up is my interview with Josie, the redheaded libertarian. And this was recorded just prior to my interview with Judge Andrew Napolitano. So much of our pontificating on what the FBI raid means is going to sound really naive and off, off, uh, 
off base <laughs> comparatively, but this is my assessment prior to hearing what Judge Knapp had to say, and this is what Josie's is as well. So, uh, you know, don't don't hold us, don't hold our feet to the fire. Okay, we're doing our best here, and uh, honestly, you know, there's still the potential that Judge Knapp is wrong, or that the worst case scenario that he, they actually have information on him and and they're planning to perp walk him is not true, as Judge Knapp clarified. You know, we're we're working with very little information at this point, so. Uh, time will tell, but uh, regardless, I wanted you guys to hear both sides of the uh, the debate, and I think that after doing so, you should be able to come to your own conclusions. Don't take my word for it. This is a critical thinking exercise, and you guys are great at it. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to a live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. I am joined by one of my best internet friends, Mrs. Josie, the Redhead Libertarian. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, there's so much... Uh, happening in our world uh, obviously i want to talk about the uh, the fbi raid of of mar-a-lago trump's castle uh, before i do that i want to thank our sponsor for tonight's show which is careerhackers.com if anyone is feeling the recessionary pressures please for the love of jesus uh, go to careerhackers.com sign up for the daily job hunt it's a free once daily email that hits your inbox every morning gives you some information on how to stand apart from the crowd and uh, get that job of your dreams or inspire you on that entrepreneurial path, go to careerhackers.com. So let's start right here. First off, uh, Josie, I heard that you may be doing something very special. Are we allowed to talk about it yet or no? I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't okay. been advertised yet, but um, I, you'll okay. be the first when I know. Okay, thank you. Well, I I, uh, I won't I won't press then. All right, so let's let's just hop right into the deep end of the the Trump uh, FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, allegedly, it was to get some documents that he had held uh, post his presidency. He was obviously allowed to have them prior to leaving office, and then he took them to Mar-a-Lago, had a a safe there. Apparently, the FBI had gone in there a, a month or two ago. He allowed them in, let them, you know take some of the documents away apparently and apparently they didn't take all of them and and so you have to raid his house now i what do you think is going on um i think that there are two different levels of fbi i think that a lot like uh we're really disjointed in america right now republicans democrats libertarians everyone's all over the place um i think the fbi might have some of that happening too and the people with the power are the crazy people um, just like it is outside of the FBI now. So I feel like when Trump first dealt with the FBI a couple months ago and they had him padlock the door and all of that, um, it feels like he was dealing with relatively normal FBI agents, I guess, for lack of a better word. And now it feels like another faction of FBI came in, like did the opposite. That's just hmm. what I'm gathering from it. Um, you know, they broke the lock, you know, like it was very dramatic. But also I read that they didn't show him his warrant, which is a Fourth Amendment violation. But uh, so what I what I heard today was that Trump, who had been suing uh, the Clintons, this is a fascinating connection. The the judge that was in charge of that lawsuit from Donald Trump to the Clintons happened to be he recused himself on August 4th. And two days from that, because he had too much bias in that case. But two days later, he's the one that signs off on the warrant for the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, 
how is it possible that he, if he has to recuse himself from one case involving Donald Trump, that he doesn't also, and this is Judge Reinhold, I believe, uh, why does he not have to recuse himself from this case as well? It, it makes no sense. Is this the same lawyer? I'd heard a, an Epstein lawyer, one of Epstein's Correct. lawyers, same one. Yep, he he was he was a judge uh, in New York for the Clinton lawsuit, but he was also a, a an attorney before he became a judge. He was an attorney for uh, the Epstein case. So pretty wild. I feel like there's there's some this is not organic. I feel like they're looking for ways to make Donald Trump not be able to run for president again, that where they don't have to go through a court. Um, yeah. So it's looking like they're looking for like this law that was brought up. Uh, Mark Esper, I believe, is the one who brought it up. I probably getting his name wrong. Um, he had said that. Th there's a statute and it's an obscure statute that says, oh, if you take documents you're not supposed to then you can't run for president again i don't know it seems very um concise it seems this is what we're doing and we're doing it for these purposes is what it sounds like um and it's not that he actually did anything or has anything like like i said i feel like if they find anything it was planted there because trump's a pretty smart guy and he's got pretty smart lawyers and i can't see him screwing up that badly um you know he kind of covers his bases and you know there's he has to be covering his bases. The man has been under investigation for six fucking years straight. That they were spying on his campaign before he became president. Then you have the the two impeachments. You have the Russian meddling as well as the Ukraine, uh, you know, corruption interference. Blah blah blah. Uh, then you have January sixth. You have a, an entire congressional hearing for a month on TV every day that lasts. That's investigating January sixth. All of this, and they never have a criminal charge against Trump. And now they raid his fucking house. It, I am blown away. Oh, the, yeah, it's it's bad, and everybody should be alarmed by it. But the fact that we're so disjointed, you know, it's the they hand out the talking points, and everybody, no, 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 they hand out the talking points, and everyone's like, no one is above the law is the talking point, and it's coming from like Hillary Clinton, you know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's coming from Hillary. In. You know, it's coming from people who are categorically of the law and they're almost throwing it in our faces. Like, you know, like who's being punished right now? Trump's being punished. The J6 people are in jail for over a year for parading. The unbelievable hubris of Hillary Clinton to tweet out fun, like basically fundraising for herself uh, with those, but her emails hat that she has on that she's tweeting out about with an option for people to go purchase it. I mean, these oh, people, they, I, I, honestly, I, I'm at the point of believing that these people are, they are so comfortable believing that they're above the law that they are just rubbing it in our face at this point. I can't read it any other way. Oh, it makes me so mad. Say, yeah, because, okay, sit down. Can you calm down? You're distracting me. Um, so yeah, I saw her tweet that out this morning about um, her hats and then immediately she's like, oh, they're all sold already. Oh, Dershowitz said his lawyers should have raced to court uh, and they didn't. Trump, not that smart. Yeah, well, it, it's arguable that it's on Trump for how this went down. But I mean, Trump was in New York when this happened. So uh, and obviously uh, he wasn't given advance notice that this was going to occur. I would think. I mean. So I don't know. I can't I can't really blame Trump on this one. Uh, the fact that he that he held those documents back. It makes me wonder, obviously, what they are.
you know, um, apparently they come from the Cong congressional library. Uh, I don't understand why Trump wouldn't have just declassified them if he was going to hold on to them so that he wouldn't then be committing a crime. So uh, there's, there's lots of interesting questions that we'll obviously, uh, find out as we learn more. Uh, Josie, you're back. Hello. Yes, I'm back. Landry had to go out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Dogs, you know, they're, they're lovely, but they, uh, not great for audio podcasting. Um, so, so what does this tell you about the, the state of our country? Cause, uh, I think that's the big kind of umbrella overarching question that we're all trying to figure out as I, as I have already alluded to, I think this demonstrates that there is a certain, uh, you know, sphere of our political class that genuinely believes and perhaps are correct that they are above the law. Is that, uh, is there any other takeaways that you would derive? I, and maybe it's just me because I like the constitution and the bill of rights and, the libertarian angle from that way. We are seeing a series of the fail safes kick in that our founders had installed if we were ever um, taken over by tyranny again. We're seeing states' rights, for instance. We live in right. Florida. We're seeing Ron DeSantis handle it. We're seeing him do things. We're seeing him put up the walls, block the federal government from interfering in his state. Um, so we're seeing that we're seeing SCOTUS, you know, uh, check and balance legislation. We're seeing that happen now tenfold. Um, you know, and those are two of the major ones that were put in place to protect us if what's happening was ever to happen. And our final fail safe is the Second Amendment, which I hope we never, ever have to get to that. But that's our final fail safe. Um, so I believe 10A could save us essentially from what's happening here. Um, I could see us all, um, it, like the states becoming more powerful. Like I, like you even see people from like the left saying, oh, women need to get out of red states. It's like, yes, <laughs> bye. Like I'm totally all about that. Like I, I believe, you know, that they're starting to see kind of the 10A thing because they're unhappy too. They're unhappy sure. too. It's hard, like, you know, we're unhappy with certain uh, facets of our um the way things are right now, but the left aren't happy too. So maybe they're going to see Massachusetts as their sanctuary, you know, like maybe they're going to see California and New York as places that they want to be because of things like Roe v. Wade, you know? So that's, that's my white pill that I'm taking from all of this is um, I'm seeing what the founders had put in place to protect us and I'm seeing it. Well, I agree with you, obviously that the, the judicial, uh, aspects have have been a white pill over the past year. Um, obviously, it's a terrible black pill that the judiciary is is necessary to prevent or to uh, slow some of this creeping totalitarianism. What what concerns me most is that you know the FBI is considered the top law enforcement in this country, and that, and it's what was that? That's got to be gutted. The FBI. Oh my god. Yeah. That's scary. I think I think they need to be abolished, honestly, not just gutted. Uh, uh, I don't see any any reason that their duties in terms of, you know, home, homeland security investigations, things like that can't be handled by local law enforcement. Uh, the FBI has been a unmitigated disaster, allowing for countless you know domestic terrorist plots that went off without a hitch or had them investigating and having conversations, we'll just put it like that, with people that then go on to commit, uh, you know, hor horrific acts of violence. Uh, oftentimes, I, 
I agree with abolishing it completely just from a pragmatic point of view. Like, I feel like Ron DeSantis could get in there and be like, all right, we're gutting this. Like, you know, like we're just going to, we're going to drain it essentially. Um, I don't think there's anybody who would get in there and abolish it. Um, I hmm. did like Massey, what he had said about um, uh, just using the power of the purse and um, not funding them, like making sure. them budgets. I like that too. I think that that's the pragmatic way to do it as much as I just love to burn it to the ground. Um, I'm just too, too logical, you know? Yeah. But, no, the, uh, basically I'm viewing this like a negotiation tactic, right? Yep. So, so if I'm calling for abolition and the congressional body or the next president, uh, if it becomes a Republican, if it's DeSantis, whatever, uh, you know, maybe the compromise position is they, they chop off the the entire um, you know top level management within the FBI. Uh, you know that would be at least a step in the right direction. <laughs> what was that? I said that gave me chills. I like it. Okay, good. Yeah, so, head, right? That's what they're trying to do <laughs> Trump is they're trying to get rid of Trump because they think he's like the head, the leader, but they don't realize that there's a lot of people who just think for themselves and agree with him on certain aspects. Like he's not the head, but I like that that we could go in and cut, cut them off at the head and get rid of their leaders. And then, then what, you know, then they're going to break into their two factions that I believe exist with, you know, the more conservative and the more um, radical. And then we're kind of going to see what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of negotiation one-on-one. Like if you, if you ask for what you really want, you might get something you can live with. And, and what we've experienced in my lifetime, at least, is that the conservatives always start with the compromise position and then they end up with essentially nothing that, yep. that benefits us. So I would like to see us start with the big ask, which is to complete abolition. You know, same with the Federal Reserve, same with the IRS, which we need to talk about. There are 87,000 new agents. Um, I can't help but think that all of this kind of coincides in the sense that you have uh, an ever increasing uh, IRS power uh, paired with uh, an FBI, which is deeply corrupt, both kind of working in tandem to be able to go after political dissidents um, or, you know, not even dissidents necessarily, but uh, someone who's outside of their particular lane of political power, because I don't think that Trump is really a dissident, uh, but just for their perception, he is. So it, it's very concerning, though, because I, I think that you, when you have basically all of the militarized aspects of our domestic security apparatuses um, mm -hmm. gearing up for what looks like war against political dissidents in this country, it's very unsettling. Yeah, and the, they're taking out the heads first. Like you saw them, like Trump's advisor, handcuffed. You know, they're they're going after him. They're going after the powerful people, and they're going after the the J six people. You know, so who's after that? You know, right. it's us, normal people who haven't really done anything. They're gonna look at our, you know, our social media, and they're gonna kind of figure out who who are the enemies in that regard. You know, and it's just thank God, like. I always said that I believe everything happening should have like Donald Trump was never supposed to happen. So we're like four years behind epic plan that they had. And that's why it feels like we're going in fast forward with this, um, this demolition of the economy and of American values. It feels like we're going in fast forward. And I feel like it feels that way because Hillary Clinton was supposed to win. Um, mm -hmm. They really underestimated Trump. They actually called him the Pied Piper candidate, which is interesting because all of Trump's candidates are winning right now because they're saying they're backing them up. Um, you know, the Dems are, are like funding them because they think they'll be easier to beat. You right. know, so they're. 
but uh, I, I don't know about that because that's that was they underestimated Trump that way and he won. And what's interesting is that it was Jill Stein who ordered a recount, I believe, on Wisconsin. And it came back that Hillary, it was looking like Hillary had cheated, not like Trump did. And they stopped the recount as soon as that started happening, <laughs> started, you know, really going after Trump. And it just never ended after that dossier yeah. and everything. It just never stopped. So, um, yeah, I believe that they're that this is happening in fast forward. Trump was never supposed to happen. We probably already have green passes. We probably already like everything that happened was supposed to happen four years ago. And now they're just trying to play catch up because they're on an agenda with this 2030 project, which is no longer a conspiracy theory. It's happening, but they're on a schedule with it, but they had to move that schedule up four years because we got a president that we weren't supposed to have. We slowed things way down. He wasn't going to sell out to yeah, well, he slowed things down, but then uh, now they've sped up <laughs> dramatically under the Biden administration. And as everybody yeah. knows, Biden funding, has oh, like they're funding Ukraine ridiculously, like every couple of days now. It was like, you know, we gave him this one big lump sum of money and then like a couple of weeks go by, we give him a little more. And now it's like every other day they're giving more money to Ukraine, billions and billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. And it feels like a money laundering scheme or something. I mean, it's not all going to beat Russia um something something deeper is going on but they're draining our money every chance they get um at some point you know we're gonna have to have our loans called in at some point the dollar's gonna collapse it's all gonna happen and it's in fast forward it's like they want it to happen while they're ruling so that way they have control over what happens next and i promise everybody you're not gonna like a post-constitution america whatever comes no. next they're gonna abolish what we have and everything that we've taken for granted, you know, cause everyone's always like, Oh, the bill of rights, just a piece of paper. No, it's not <laughs> like, look at Australia during the pandemic. They don't have a bill of rights. Look at Canada. Canada's got one, but the legislature, the legislature has a choice of whether or not to enforce it. And right now they don't feel like enforcing it. So, yeah. um, we, we're going to be really ugly without a bill of rights. And so we don't ever want to get to that point. So it's about fighting back, getting people in power. And, you know, I feel like the people Trump endorsed, I would hope, would be the people who would come down like with your hard line saying abolish the FBI, you know, like you get 10 of them in and they're all like, we have to, we're going to abolish the FBI, you know, and those are the ones that are winning those primary elections right now. So be interesting in November. And well, this, this is why I like the fact that the Democrats are, are backing the most radical uh, Republican candidates because they think that they're more beatable from my perspective. I only want the radical conservative candidates to win. So, it, you know, if, <laughs> yeah, so if they, if they are, uh, you know, defunding or, or injuring the moderate conservatives, that's a huge win for the libertarian crowd because I only want conservatives in there that are serious, that are actually preaching abolition of certain, um, you know, departments and things of that nature. That, that's, a, that's a massive W and a huge uh, gambit by them. You know, if if we end up getting, say, we have ten or fifteen Thomas Massey level uh, congressional representatives, we can actually change it. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, the way that the spectrum is, you know, everyone says it's Democrat and Republican, and you know, libertarians are closer to Republicans because they all smoke pot, and you know, then the socialists are kind of like Democrats. But it's actually it's it's authoritarian to libertarian. That's the that's the spectrum. So. So we're moving in those directions. You're seeing the conservatives that aren't moderate, like the Marjorie Taylor Greens, kind of go into the direction of 
libertarian and you're seeing, you know, the ones, the, the Democrats that aren't moderates um, sort of go towards like the socialism aspect, the authoritarianism. Um, and so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that's our divide that we're seeing. So I try to block the Democrats, the Republicans and say, OK, well, are your values libertarian? Are your values conservative? And I really don't care about your label aside from that at this point, like and we're past that. So, yeah. you know, the, the people that Trump's getting in, you know, of course, they're not perfect. Of course, they have their own different kind, the different type of authoritarianism. But it's not that type that is going to abolish our Constitution and pack the court and all the dangerous types of authoritarian. It's just a different kind, like more religious or, you know, whatever not right now that's something we can deal with when we cross that bridge later um the immediate threat is socialist um communist um you know the draining of um the economy those are the immediate threats right now that we need to address so um what they're going to do with our guns that's another thing you know and so we're seeing we saw the moderates and the moderate democrats and the moderate uh conservatives came together on that gun bill for instance you know to try to figure out so you had like lindsey graham and um, mansion, you know, coming together like, oh, this is going to be a good bill, you know, because it's 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 coming and deciding what makes sense. It's common sense gun reform because we had just the moderates working on it, you know, and they understand so much. The country are still moderates, you know, not really involved in this, um, but it's not it's not common sense. It's tyranny. Any any gun control is tyranny. But yeah, well, com- common sense would be to if you're a conservative congressional representative to defend the second amendment uh, no matter what and yeah. and i can't i can't believe that there's even a handful that are are playing along with this gun control shit it drives me nuts uh interesting question here tim groove says we need to reform the system by using article 5 convention of the states to gut the deep state i've i've seen a lot of people talking about that obviously uh you know the the concept of peaceful national divor- divorce has been something i've been attempting to popular popularize along with Michael Malice and a handful of others. Um, what you're, you're more of the constitutionalist than I am, but do you know what that would amount to and what we would have to do in terms of article five? Believe that we need 11 more States on board with that. Um, and as soon as those States are on board, then we can have this convention we can change the constitution. Fear of that happening is that we're going to get to that point and then people are going to be ready to compromise immediately. And it can't go down like that. It's all or nothing. You got to get in there and you got to say, Second Amendment is absolute. It is absolute. It is for the citizens, it is for the people. Absolute. We need to alter this amendment, add this amendment, do whatever we need to do to make that happen. And they have to be really, really like um what word am i looking for hardline yes yes exactly there's no compromise at all they get to that point that's that's the biggest fear about a convention of states you know they're going to get there we're going to do it and then everyone's gonna be like okay well i guess we could compromise you know because together as states now so now we have to make compromises no you all have to be hardlined on the same page and keeping it as possible that makes me tremendously nervous to be honest because i mean how many how many conservative representatives would you like to see responsible for rewriting the constitution like right now? Like Thomas right. Massey and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. like, the person I want anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah. So you said that there's, there needs to be 11 more States on board. Isn't it two thirds of States have to be on board for a. Yeah. I'm, pre- I'm trying to remember what I read. I read something about it recently. Okay. And 11 more States and then wow. it'll be, be able to do it. Yeah. So, so that means 20 States are already on board. That's incredible. 
something like that. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's it's good. It's coming along. But yeah, my other fear is that people are going to kind of be like, okay, you know, they think they can change the constitution doing this. So we're going to get our people in there to to head off and we're going to get some of these states to agree with it but we're going to have our people in there you know for these other 11 states or whatever and then they're going to have control to do it that way because they're just in the deep state is everywhere so yeah. it surprised me if they did get into on this um convention of states thing i just can't imagine that if we, we if we rewrote the constitution today given the political establishment that we exist under that it would be better than what the founders had like yeah. I, I honestly i don't see it happen better is if they use the convention of states to do it because like i said the states are sort of like coming out and being like okay we need to take charge here and you saw it after roe v wade how how many were like okay we're putting our foot down on this roe v wade's a really interesting one too because you know they had the right to do all of this since casey in 94 they just nobody ever did because we weren't nobody wanted to stir the pot do, do right. you want to hear yeah I <laughs> I do. I just wanted to add that James S. said uh, you would still need three-fourths of the states to ratify amendments from a convention. So, I mean, the odds of us getting that is pretty low. Yes, that's that's true. So, All right. Go go ahead and tell me about it, though. All right. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, because we were going to talk about Roe and Casey when I was having internet issues last time during that storm. But, um, right. all right. So, Roe v. Wade was essentially, um, it, it was the legislation that made abortion legal. It, it gave it to the states um, still, but it, it didn't let the states had a trimester threshold. So the states couldn't do anything in the first trimester. In the second trimester, they could limit it. And in the uh, third trimester, they could do all out bans. All right. Because um, Justice Blackman, who wrote it, had actually written in there at some point, a woman is no longer alone in her personhood. And we need to write that. Like there's a baby in there essentially. Right. So Casey comes along in 1994 and Casey, Casey abolishes the um, trimester guidelines and they replace it with a standard of burden, personal burden. All right. So they also made it so that they could regulate abortion in the first trimester. The first trimester starts when? At conception. Just nobody, nobody like did anything or you know because it's like why would we stir this pot you know essentially um if you read the um the dissent for casey it's four justices dissenting and they all dissented for the same reason we should have abolished roe this abolishes roe we have two conflicting um case laws on the books right now we have two that conflict with each other and they're just going to sit there on the books we should have abolished roe why didn't we abolish roe so Roe hasn't existed since Casey because it did away with the trimester, um, the trimester standard and replaced it with the burden standard. So it hasn't even existed. Hmm. So people are fighting for this thing that hasn't been a thing since 1994. Um, yeah. So, 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 um, but now that we're so disjointed and the country's falling apart, you, everybody came out and they're like, all right, you know, like Oklahoma's like, no. Well, no more abortions for you guys. You know, like we're, they essentially abolish the practice, um, you know, by making it the, at conception, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of other states follow suit with that. So, you know, that's, that's what, that's the story of Roe and Casey though. So Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think honestly, it's a good thing. It, it, uh, it creates, uh, through the federalist model, it creates, you know, different, 
kind of legal standards by the state level. And, and I think that that, that will obviously be messy. You know, you'll have issues where someone from Oklahoma leaves, they go to wherever it's legal, say California or whatever, and they go and they get an abortion and they come back and then Oklahoma potentially could charge them. And I think that that's where I get nervous. Oh, um, well, you see, that's uh, what that's the 14th Amendment. And my brain just totally farted. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's a clause, but it's uh, it's the trade clause between states. Uh, oh, my God. Am I the, oh, interstate commerce. Yes, the commerce clause. Thank you. I'm like, what is yeah. wrong with that's that's up to the federal government. So the federal government can. So essentially, let's take marijuana, for instance. OK, marijuana is legal in Oregon and it's legal in um, California. But if you were to cross state lines, that's a federal crime. Same hmm. thing. So, so the federal government controls what happens between states. have the power just to snap their fingers and say, you can go to another state. We're not going to charge you anything federally, you know. Because that's that's their power to do that to that, you know, whether or not it's going to be uh, gone after federally. Um, I don't know if states have to um, criminalize something that somebody does in another state or not. Or are you there? Are you there? Sorry, it's it's glitching right now. Just give it five seconds. Can you hear me? Yes, can I can hear, hear you. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So I, I'm not sure. I know like if I left Florida and went and smoked pot up in Massachusetts, I don't think Florida could chase me down and penalize me for it. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if they would do that for abortion or not. If you commit a, a crime in another state, I'm not sure. But I know federally that um, the federal government has the powers to, to not enforce anything via the Commerce Clause. So so that'd be interesting to see which way that that goes. Yeah, no, that that is an interesting point. And, uh, you know, it's just that I, I can envision a time where, say, we're a decade deep into this and Oklahoma has had abortion at all stages of pregnancy uh, criminalized and you know classified as murder, more or less. Uh, I could see a, a moral explanation as to why. Well, hey, if someone lives in Montana, it'd be like if I hired a hitman, if it was say it was legal to hire a hitman in California and I hired someone to go kill somebody in California. But, you know, in Montana, it's it's illegal. Well, like I think there's a moral justification to say, well, hey, you still committed murder, you know, you or you hired a murder. Yeah, because I'm comparing it to like what we know is pot. But now what makes a human is expanding. It's always expanding. Um, if you look at slavery, for instance, they used to not be, you know, slaves used to not be counted, you know, as humans. Um, and so, but, but that two thirds. Yeah. Two thirds. That's actually kind of interesting. Cause that was or only three, three fifths. I'm my bad. Three, I can't yes, that Three fifths compromise was for voting purposes because they were counting the uh, South were counting their slaves as their population, but they weren't giving them the rights of humans. So, so they were trying to count their property as humans, you know? And so the North is like wanting to abolish this. They're like, no, you can't do that because had they not done that, um, they would have had the, they would have had the votes to be able to keep slavery longer and stuff. So, so the two thirds, the three fifths compromise um, was the North who was trying to abolish slavery saying, you need to have less votes. So if you want to count your property, 
like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Your property can count two thirds of a person. And that's how they ended up getting rid of, um, um, that's how they ended up pushing through the legislation that they needed to, uh, to keep, you know, to eventually get rid of slavery sooner. And well, talk, isn't that fascinating that like the, the original paternalism of the, the, you know, the North, the, the left wing or whatever you want to call it, that they would, they would say, we can't have the slaves voting because they won't vote for their own freedom. I, that's, that's just, that's fascinating. And I, and I understand why it was very coercive relationship with the slave master where they probably would not be allowed to vote for themselves and yada yada it, there's there's plenty of explanations but i do think it's a kind of interesting point so so the your population reflects directly to your representatives so you know i'll just give you bullshit numbers but you know if there was a hundred slaves and they'd get one representative or 100 people for one representative you know and then there's 200 people for two representatives you know anything like that and so they they were slaves were thousands and thousands and thousands and so they had they they could get more representatives because of that and those representatives would push through legislation like uh, expanding westward they wanted to do and have slavery out there you know they wanted to expand that way and so it it's like hard to for people to understand it because you know we were taught in school oh everybody thought that they were two-thirds of a person but it's actually more complicated than that and it was the north who came up with it because the north was like um you know, we, you, you, you guys can't count your property as people. Like you can't have your cake and eat it too, essentially. Right. You can't. Like, which is it? Are they people or are they not? You know, like they're people yeah. when it, not when it doesn't. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not, they're not people because you get to tell them what to do for work, but we also think they're not people because you shouldn't be able to vote on their behalf in terms of our representative democracy. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a weird world. Um, so what, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Veritas leak that came out where it classified, um, you know, constitutional people and uh, the Gadsden flag and and caps, my people, um, you know, basically minarchists of any stripe are now uh, potential domestic violent uh, extremists. What, what did you take away from that uh, that news? Because I wasn't surprised by it. Yeah, I mean, it's expected, but it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with um, who comes after the J6 people. It's, it's us with our snake flags and our, our guns and our homeschooling farms. And that's that's who's next. That's who's on. The, that's who's next. And we can't let it get. Yeah, well, that, I think that's why um, I'm 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 imploring the right wing to recognize the jeopardy that, that they're in, because I. I, I still think that, unfortunately, because they're they're kind of historical back to blue uh, type mentality, that they're they're struggling to wrap their mind around that the political apparatus is now their enemy, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, or they at least perceive them as their enemy. And and I think that only once you accept that reality can you then come to the conclusion that is necessary, which is your governor has to start to defend you from the federal level uh, police forces. And yeah. I really think that's the only way that they're going to you know, maintain their freedom is to have DeSantis or uh, Abbott or whoever steps up to the plate, Gnome uh, steps up to the plate and says, look, we're not playing around with these feds anymore. They are corrupt to their core. And like 
uh, it was uh, Anthony Sabatini, who's a representative in Florida. He said he would like to see uh, the the FBI agents arrested if they step foot <laughs> not on Florida uh, uh, on Florida's like uh, direction. So basically, if they come without being directed by the Florida law enforcement apparatus, that they he wants them arrested on site. And I was like, wow. I would love to see the full extent. Like, how far can we push states' rights? Like, how far? For real. I want to see how far we can go with this because we were never supposed to have a strong federal government at all. It was supposed to be there just for defense and justice, period. That was the only thing we were supposed to have a federal government for. And that's, you know, I see the value in having like that, you know, like I see it, I get it um, as a minarchist. Um, but I would love to see the full extent of how far can we push states' rights? Like, what, like, like, can we cut them off? You know, like when, when COVID was really happening, like the state militia was a thing, you know, in, in Florida, like they were bringing that up and how about defending Florida's borders essentially from the feds, you know? So I, I just want to see how, how, how far, how far can we take this? And I think we'd see through Ron DeSantis, you know, who's another governor to watch for. Um, I can't remember his name now, the South Carolina governor. He does everything Ron DeSantis does, but he doesn't have any bells and whistles to go with it. He just, he sees what he does and he does the same thing. Cool. So, well, I, I like it because, yeah. I mean, I, I think that if you're going to follow in someone's footsteps in terms of at least uh, rhetorical pushback against the feds, DeSantis has been at the top of my list in, in terms of doing so. In terms of action, I think that he could do a lot more. Uh, I think Sabatini, is he's got the right idea. Uh, before I get into talking to you further about the potential for a peaceful national divorce or uh, states' rights and just kind of using that as our shield, I want to thank our other sponsor for tonight's show, and that is Expat Money Summit. They are an upcoming online summit by my friend Mikkel Thorup from expatmoney.com with over 30 experts who are focused on moving your life, business, and wealth offshore. It's free to attend expatmoneysummit.com. Reclaim your freedom from chaos and uncertainty. Topics will include how to secure your own plan B safe haven. If Ron DeSantis fails in terms of uh, protecting you, you're going to want to know about this stuff. Trust me. How to use foreign currencies, offshore banking, and decentralized finance to safeguard your money. How to legally reduce your tax burden. How and where to safely store gold, silver, and other precious metals. Where the best countries are in the world to find freedom for yourself and your family. How you can get a second passport to travel the globe without restrictions and get in and out of different countries' borders. You will learn about a libertarian island haven, private cities, communities on the ocean, and food and energy independent towns in Latin America. Register now for free at expatmoneysummit.com. Who's the latest speaker that they just signed up for expatmoneysummit.com? Ron Paul. So you are going to not want to miss this thing. Again, register for free at expatmoneysummit.com. And we are back with Josie the Redhead Libertarian. I'm sorry I got to do these live reads, but uh, they're, they are valuable, valuable stuff for my audience. Um, Ron so, Paul is valuable. Exactly. That's <laughs> that. As soon as they told me that, I was like, I have no problem bringing you guys on as a sponsorship. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so do you think that, uh, like put on your, your, uh, your fortune teller hat and tell me what does, what does this country look like in 15, 20 years? Is it just, uh, an increase in, in state power that's, that's defending our rights or is it actually a real push towards, uh, you know, peaceful national separation? I can see almost 50 separate countries. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm not like not like uh, legal countries, but like the states are so, you know, they're, they're so sovereign. Like I, that's the, where I see this going Our like our states are so sovereign that, that the federal government will never penetrate them again, essentially. That is, 
my white pill. And that's optimistically what I see happening because um, I can't even I don't even want to think about the alternative to that. The alternative to that is some scary, scary stuff. Um, yeah. and well, that, that what, what you're describing kind of sounds like uh, getting closer to what the EU is, where it's like you still have all your your separate uh, countries, but they function under this umbrella of the United Nations or of the European Union, rather. Kind yeah, of uh, like that. Less tyranny, more guns. Um, less sure. No, it, there's there's obviously major differences, but I'm just saying kind of a similar yeah. like headed in that direction. Absolutely. Yes. Headed in that direction where like Florida is its own country, you know, like, you know, and there'll, there'll be other there'll be alliances like Georgia, Florida, you know, they, I could see that, you know, Texas, like you'd have your alliances with your countries where, you know, maybe, it, you know, you wouldn't need certain documents to get in or, you know, something like that. I can see it being um, I can see it going in a way of needing documents to get into country or to get into states and that sort of stuff. Like I'm talking 15 years from now. Um you know, so that's optimistically, I think that's, that's where I can see it going. And like I said, I have no interest in even, because if it goes the other way, it's going to a place where we abolish the constitution. We look like England. Um, who knows if we're going to combine with England and be ruled that way again. Um, I just, it's, it's horrifying to think about a world post-constitution. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, you know, it's not that I, I'm horrified to see what it could be. It could be better potentially, but it, it, at the same time, like that transition period from here to there could be horrific. And uh, I don't really want to experience that. And I, what, what I find fascinating is that, uh, you know, I think the vast majority of people, ha if, if they're being honest with themselves, have to realize that that we are so different from one another now, you know, like there used to be this tie that, that kind of bound us together when it came to prioritizing free speech and, and personal defense. Like there was some aspects that, that most people agreed upon, but it's not that way anymore. I mean, there's, I'd say half this country doesn't value in any form or fashion, free speech anymore. And I just think like, once you get to that point where, you know, they, and there's certainly 40 or 50% of this country that doesn't value uh, personal defense either. So, it's like if you're at that that you know uh, severe of a loggerhead, why why not just accept that you know we're not meant to be together anymore? Exactly, it's about power, you know. And the federal government has a lot of power, and any amount of surrendering that power, they have to surrender it. They have to surrender it to the states. That's that's where they have to surrender it to. But to the people, nope they they'd find a way around that. So, um, I mean. Thank God for the 10th Amendment. Like, and I even think back like 10 years ago, I I never would have saw it going this way at all. Me either. Uh, no. I never thought the 10th and 9th Amendment would ever become this important as they are right now. But you know, we we see why they why they are. It's incredible. Even I don't even think like another 9-11 would bring our country together. And you know, we're like about the same age. So like you remember that, I remember that, you know, like how that felt on September 12th. We'll talk about September 12th, how the, how the country was, how the world was. Um, and that's like, like, I remember September 12th more than I remember September 11th, almost like sometimes in some instances, because of how connected everybody was like there, everybody was united, you know, like, yeah. I just don't, I think if there was another 9-11, it'd pull us farther apart because it'd be a blame game. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a really good point. And 
And uh, yes, I, I had just graduated high school, you know, not not long before 9-11 happened. And I remember it vividly because it it ultimate, you know, ultimately shaped much of my um, my political philosophy after I realized a few years later that we had been deceived about, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan being the <laughs> the the plotting grounds for that attack. And and I think that now I'm so averse to media narrative my initial reaction would be to mistrust whatever the narrative was like, you know, they, they were running those, uh, those, uh, PSAs, those public service announcements about what to do in case of a nuclear attack in New York city. And I'm just thinking to myself, like if that were to happen, you know, if there was a dirty bomb that went off in New York or something crazy like that, my initial reaction would be that the U S government had done it like that. That's what I would honestly think first thing. And that's horrible. That's a horrible place to be in where like my initial reaction is that my own government did this to justify, you know, cracking down in a totalitarian fashion. But I think there's a lot of people out there that would feel similarly with that news breaking. Um, and, and then there's another huge percentage of this country that would be like, well, it's New York. Who gives a fuck? I hate those people. And that's crazy. That's crazy to me that we're in that position where uh, there's such animus. Yeah. And you'd have a group of people who would say, oh, it was Russia. And then you'd have the logical people who'd be like, that wasn't Russia. Like, why is right. everything Russia, guys? You know? And so that's, so there you go. We're already fighting, you know? Like, it's right. what we do. And <laughs> yeah. It, well, you'd have the Republicans saying it was China. You'd have the, uh, the Democrats saying that it was Russia. And then you'd have the Libertarians saying it was our own government. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so another us together, that's, we're done. I mean, as a country, like we're done. That's why I see strong state borders, sovereignty in that regard happen. I mean, I hope to God that happens before what else they happen. Cause I feel like if there is another awful disaster like that, they're going to use it to tear us down the rest of the way. Not really. They're going to use it yeah. to fix up essentially, you know, like, yeah. Oh, well, this we don't have the money to fix it. So I guess we're going to sell out to China. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's, that's probably the, the the direction that we're headed regardless. I mean, in terms of our, our political establishment, they, they really do seem to do the bidding of China to a large extent, uh, you know, contrary to Nancy Pelosi risking World War III by going to Taiwan last week. Um, I still think that these people are all deeply in bed with China, at least at the congressional representation level. It's just, it's crazy. And, and now you have, you know, the, even though I think that the Republicans overstate the amount of Chinese influence that is in this country. I think that they're right when it comes to the political apparatus. And I think that they're right when it comes to academia in terms of teaching kind of Marxist philosophy. Uh, but I don't think that they're right when it comes to, you know, them having sleeper cells here that are so, you know, dangerous that they're, they're plotting to actually uh, militarily take us over. I just think that's totally far-fetched. There's no way that they can invade us. They, they would have to come. I mean, the same reason I don't think we could beat them on their land. Like, you know, how, how challenging that would be to take, uh, hundreds of thousands of troops over via aircraft carriers and whatnot. Like China just doesn't have those resources. So it really just comes down to like, uh, do we end up in a hot nuclear conflict in which case no one wins. So like, let's just not go down this path. How about that? I don't know. Yep. hundred percent. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought, thought I might lose you with that one, but, uh, um, so is the, uh, is the IRS hiring? Is that about, uh, is that about cracking down on, on fortune 500 companies, Josie? Oh, that's on all of us. That's the middle <laughs> class. About the middle class because they came out, CV, CBS might have reported it. They came out and said, no, we are not going to target the middle class, which means, yes, 
that's exactly who they're going to target because every single thing that's come out of the establishment has been a lie. Every single thing. So those 87,000 agents on top of whatever they already have, that's the size of the Marines. Okay. Yep. Like this, this is what we're talking about. They, they are their own army now. And what's their job to get money out of us, you know? Yeah. That's and that's in, in the job posting this uh, this week that they put out to try and hire all these new agents. They said that you would have to be willing to carry uh, a firearm and you would have to be willing to take life in, in the line of duty. And and it's like it's like, OK, well, I mean, at least they're making it explicit, you know, because that that is really what the IRS is there to do is there. They are the the uh, enforcement arm of the tax collectors. And, you know, that's that's exactly what they're to, there to do. So if you refuse and you refuse to go to jail over it, they will absolutely kill your ass. And it's like, I, I just don't know why people, um, I know I know, obviously the left that believes that taxation is not coercive in any fashion and this is just about doing your your civic duty or whatever bullshit they say. Uh, I can understand why they don't care because they're like, well, if you're unwilling to pay your taxes, you should die. Uh, but I don't understand how the rest of this country, uh, Republicans in particular, haven't just realized like, okay, this is going to be utilized to go after political dissidents and and you are the political dissidents at this point. So you might want to consider uh, crushing this this organization while you while you still can. Yep. Oh yeah. They they think like if they negotiate enough, if they, you know, if they listen to the lobbyists enough, then they're gonna be spared and their family's gonna be safe. But no, we're all up against the wall in the end. Like yep. they right. they they don't love you. Like if you're a rhino we're a rhino. Like you, you had that R next to you. You're going down too. We're going to all be in the same gulag. Like you're not. Yeah, they're like, any- they're, they're like, I, I served my country proudly for 15 years. They would never come at me. It's like, you're the first person they're going to come after because you're militarily trained. You're armed. You know how to use it. Like there's no, there's no chance yeah. that, that if you, if you're flying a guest and flag outside your house, they're not going to give a shit about your, your time serving this country. Nope. Exactly. Uh, Anti-commie <laughs> says, to hammer a point, the Democrats voted down an amendment constraining IRD agents from, I, I assume he means IRS agents, uh, from under 400,000 targeting in a 50-50 vote. Yeah. So that they were supposed to, uh, the Republicans tried to put an amendment to uh, basically make it so that they could not use any of the IRS agents to go after anyone that was making more than or less than $400,000 a year. And not a single one of these motherfuckers voted for it. So what do you think that means? Well, they're all million or I guess more than 50% of the people in Congress are millionaires. Um, so I think that they're like, well, if it happens to me, it has to happen to them. We're all equal in this country, you know? I mean, it's all, but you know, they didn't honestly put that much thought into it. They just hate us. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a fair way to put it. They, they just hate us. And I think that they hate <laughs> us in a, in a, in a fashion that very few people can wrap their heads around. Like it is a, a deep, seething hatred they they view people that value constitutional rights as like l- subhuman i really believe that like not not all of them obviously but a, a huge percentage of the democrat congressional representatives genuinely despise people that like the red white and blue bleed for your country types they're like you are rubes and i would love to see you perish <laughs> yes exactly that's that's my my sad sad opinion on this uh anybody else got any questions for us pop pop in the chat i'm still still taking questions here uh oh tim says oh they love free speech only their speech though you know kind of i i think that they like as long as we could be shut up like their speech is always allowed so because it's all within the the corporate narrative they control it too they change the definitions of words you know 
every a time recession. trying to change the definition of the word raid after Trump's raid. Like they like, oh, that's not exactly like let's let's ask the fact checkers. They <clears throat> power and those who have power over the language have power over everything. Like they control the, the words you can use and the words you can't use and what words mean. I mean, that's that they're in we're dangerous territory with that. Like if there's a way just to be like, nope, we're going back to all the old definitions. Like that's that's where we need to be. Like, yeah. you know, like any of this reimagined, because that's like Orwell, you know, we're not gonna listen to any of this reimagined words. We're not gonna we're not gonna listen to this stuff anymore. Well, you know, check, and that's check this out. They they were doing a uh, a live news broadcast. I think it was MSNBC, but it might have been might have been CNN. Uh, I don't know if it was McCabe or it was some former FBI official. And he's he's being interviewed. And on the Chiron at the bottom of the screen, it says, you know, FBI raids Trump's Mar-a-Lago, blah blah blah. And he goes, FBI agents hate it when people refer to it as a raid. You know, we prefer when it's like uh, enforcing a warrant or something like that. And and they, I shit you not, real time change the Chiron to reflect what their, uh, you know, their paid operative has to say. I mean, we, this is, it's, it's not Orwellian. It is like, it's like Orwell on fucking steroids. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Waypo actually posted something today, Washington post. All right. Posted a story today saying, um, uh, Merrick Garland said that he was going to depoliticize, um, he was going to depoliticize the DOJ and then he raids Trump's house. And that was like the title. And I'm like, oh, my God, Waypo told the truth. Holy cow. Right. They took the article down, changed the headline because they got criticized. Yeah. Well, same. Like all that stuff is true. They just put it together in the same place. Like, yeah, those things happen. Same, same thing happened with uh, Ukraine. There was some some news story two weeks ago where they came out and they said, I think it was CBS News or something like that, had a, a really nice piece where they were explaining that that the aid that was being sent to Ukraine was not was basically being stolen. It wasn't reaching the front lines. The, the Ukrainian government came out and said, oh, no, we don't like this. And they fucking retracted the story or they like they put out, uh, you know, provisos saying there's much contention about this topic, blah, blah, blah. Maybe our reporting's bad. And it's like. You're like you, you fucking guys finally did a decent bit of reporting, and you're immediately backpedaling because some foreign government tells you to. Like, oh, we just, we just don't have a free press anymore. We don't have free speech anymore. We don't have a free market anymore. Uh, we don't have a free world anymore. And I think that's that's really the problem here. And and this is why I've become you know such a such a political activist, or at least uh, outspoken, in that I, I really believe that we don't have time to to just put our head in the sand anymore. Like this is, this is really dire. And you know, you're a mother. Uh, I'm sure you have to have to carry uh, some serious concerns about the, the world that you're, you're leaving to your, your heirs. I moved from Massachusetts to Florida. Exactly. Like, my family, I left everything I knew. I've lived in Massachusetts my whole life. Um, because I felt like I liked what Ron DeSantis was doing. I know Florida is still technically a swing state. I don't care. I have a lot of faith in what he's doing. And everybody who's moved to Florida, like they did some sort of poll, all all conservative leaning. Like there's no, people aren't moving to Florida to turn it blue. It's not happening. They're moving to keep it red. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I left everything I knew to, to for my I have them in a school now that's a great school. I don't homeschool them. I 
put them in a well-vetted school that's going to do a great job. And if they screw up, I pull them out of that school and I find a different one or I'll homeschool them if I have to. I've done that and one doesn't really respond well to it. So, you know, you got to do what's best for your children. Um, so I put my kids in this well-vetted, excellent, top-rated school, you know, and they have enrichment programs. I didn't realize the difference in schooling between Massachusetts and Florida. Oh, you there? Okay. Yeah. Massachusetts doesn't have enrichment program from before. So, so you were all just as stupid as the stupidest kid because they didn't want anybody to feel bad. I have one of my kids is being genius tested, you know, at this school, you know, they, so they have enrichment programs. They have, um, so much opportunity and they teach civic in a way that like I can agree with, you know, that I'm like, yes, this is the truth. You're teaching the truth, you know, like, and there's no CRT and um, oh, this is all the stuff like, you know, I mean, went through some serious stuff up there when it came to like trans children and dealing with all of that, you know? So we're, I'm, we're in a place where my children are so happy and I didn't even realize how much they were weighed down Massachusetts, like, you know, having to wear masks literally at any time we wanted to leave the house. I mean, it was tyranny up there. Um, and we came here, it's a different world. Yeah. I was in the same boat, as you know, I was born and raised California, San Diego, and I, and I fled to Florida myself and uh, I chose poorly. I went to Miami. I, I should have ended up wherever you're at, but, uh, regardless, it is still dramatically better. And, and also I have no more state income tax, which is a huge, uh, plus. So it's, uh, I think that that's, that's really, you know, living out your principles in terms of following whatever government, uh, structure because we are fortunate enough to have a federalist model where we have some states that we can flee to that are not so uh brutal to experience uh you got to take those take those swings while you can folks like there may be a time where you're not allowed to move to another state like it's in massachusetts where um like we couldn't like like at the height of the pandemic we we couldn't leave the state without telling them we were leaving the state and testing and then quarantining and really like Commerce clause violations, big ones about leaving the state, going between state, interstate commerce, big violations were happening. But everyone turned their head because we were in the middle of a crisis, you know, so they essentially suspended parts of the Constitution during that. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, it happened and I was trapped in Massachusetts. That's when I was like, OK, uh, this isn't working anymore. Like, yeah, well, look, look at Australia, look at Hawaii. Like many of these people were were trapped on their little islands for fucking a year plus. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people weren't able to get in too. And and on on top of that, the real the real impetus for me to get out of California, besides the COVID hysteria, was that they were talking about implementing a ten year clawback period for anyone who left California, where they would still be able to tax your ass. And I was like, I was like, so if you live in California and you leave, they would still be able to tax your income for the next decade. I mean. That's Oh, everybody's fleeing and they're like, how do we how do we keep these people tied to us? Because we can't afford anything without our taxpayers. Right. I mean, it just just overt theft and tyranny. And and it like but a, a, after experiencing the covid lockdowns, I was like, well, fuck it. Anything's possible. I mean, it's clearly it's clear to me that it's unconstitutional. But regardless, do I want to go through that fight? Do I want to have to be the one that that goes to the Supreme Court to try and not have my taxes taken away for a decade. Uh, Tim's asking about the uh, uh, Martha Bueno campaign. I, I don't know if you're even familiar with it, but she's running for Miami-Dade commissioner and she created an OnlyFans. There's no nudity. So it's just basically a marketing uh, vehicle. But it, I, 
I think it's clever. I'm just curious if you have any opinion on it. Oh, I've seen that. Um, so, so it's like just a political OnlyFans. So it's like yeah. the it's like the meme. People are always like, "Oh, OnlyFans," but you know, just you like reading the Constitution are things they say to me. You know, so it's yeah. that. so it's an OnlyFans, but it's political. That's I think that's clever. I think that's really I, clever. She just she just got on some really big platforms. Uh, she was on with Louder with Crowder last week because of it. And I was like, "Hey, if you're not getting naked, like you're." I don't see any reason not to do it. Like it's just, it's just smart marketing tactics. And if you're running a campaign that's kind of guerrilla style and you're just trying to get any attention paid to you, it's brilliant. Um, we also got Lindsay, the cynical geek says to any Bernie supporters cheering on Trump's raid, I assure you they will come for your guy if they are successful in assuming complete control of the country. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's so, it's so short sighted for people to, to think that, Oh, this is <laughs> like you're going to have this ever, ever, uh, or this totally overpowering uh, police state apparatus, and it's it's only ever going to get used against your political enemies. Like, come on. The communists in this country are useful idiots. That's all they are. They will be first against the wall with the rest of us. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're they're useful idiots. Um, they're like like because they push they they push the you know they're they're the voters they get out there and they vote and they um you know they amplify democratic politicians who are technically communists like AOC for instance like all of her people um you know so 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 they do the job to get the votes to to keep them in power essentially right but they don't want communists there's a reason why bernie you know was the treatment bernie got when you know it was between him and Hillary and I think it was him, you know, like I said, Hillary, there was some shady stuff that happened during her campaign. And I think that, 100%. He, yeah, I, I believe that he was the nom the true nominee. Um, oh, the DNC stole it from him for sure. I can't believe that anyone that supported Bernie Sanders still looks at the DNC as anything other than controlled opposite, like, or not controlled yeah. opposition, but basically like a non-starter. Like you, you have to take a different, you have to take a third party route. You have to, do something different because you're never going to get any anyone that actually you know carries your beliefs. Even though I I don't really think Bernie carries your beliefs either, but that's besides the point. No, no, Bernie has no integrity. He'll say what he needs to say. Even uh, recently, what what was that? Um, the Inflation Reduction Act. He dragged it, but I think he went on to vote for it. You know, like yeah, he's no well, integrity. This is why I'm skeptical of Tulsi because someone reminded me last week that uh, that he's Tulsi. What's that? He supported Bernie. Yeah, no, that uh, I think Tulsi ended up endorsing Biden. Uh, oh, right at the end, yeah, she did Bernie and then Biden. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm sorry if you if if you ever endorsed Joe Biden, uh, I'm very skeptical as to your uh, philosophical. And I and I just hung out with her last week, and she's a very smart person, very sweet. Um, I think I think very highly of her. Otherwise, but I just can't trust you anymore after that. Part of the WEF, so I have my issues with her there. I don't know if she knew what she was getting into. Sometimes you can get an award and be like, "Oh, of course, you know, I'll join. Great, you know, what an honor!" And then be like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" And it's all out there already. So I don't know if there's any background. Like, I think she is genuinely a good person. I don't. She's a bad person. That she, her heart is in the right place. I think that she does. You know, that Biden might have been a political move. Um, maybe she didn't believe. Like, you know, like, oh, believe in him. or I, I think it was political. Um, she probably felt it was strategic in a way to do that, um, as opposed to endorsing Trump, which would have been the other way, you know, and so it was, she really wasn't going to win. I think she would have been fine just not endorsing anybody. 
But then they yeah. would have been like, well, why aren't you endorsing anybody? She said, there's just no winning. So she probably picked somebody she thought was safe. Um, well, I think I think that she still wanted to leave the door open for the DNC to back her, say, in 2024 or something. Because I, after watching her speech at, at Young Americans for Liberty Revolution, which, by the way, thank you to Yale Revolution for having me out. It was a great, great event. Um, I, I do believe that that she was trying to keep the door open for a presidential run because that speech she gave at Yale Revolution was like awesome. And, and it was like presidential, very much uh, appealing to the the libertarian crowd. And I was like, this lady's running. Like I, I feel it in my bones. So we'll see if I'm right. Uh, I got one other, one other topic I wanted to bring to you. And this one blew my mind. There's a, a, a news uh, article out from OttawaCitizen.com. I have no idea if this website's legitimate, but the uh, article goes on to say, Ottawa police detective faces misconduct charges for allegedly seeking links between COVID vaccine and child deaths. So this, this lady was a you know, detective and she opened up or she she pulled the records on, I think it was 11 or 12 deceased children mm-hmm. uh, that she was just looking into it, essentially. But she wasn't put on that task. So they are now looking into ethics charges against her. And I'm like, isn't that what you want? Don't you want detectives that are actually trying to get to the bottom of stuff? Like if no one's looking at it and she goes, well, this is odd. We have 12 kids that dropped dead of, you know, some sort of heart ailment or whatever. Uh, let's see. Let's see if there's a connection here. And, and instead of saying, well, thank you for going above and beyond in your job, oh, we're going to sanction you. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think Canada is corrupt. They don't have a Bill of Rights, as I said. Well, they do. They just don't. They can just choose not to. They can just choose to ignore it. Um, but everything happening in Canada is... Um, a window it, into our future? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the future that the libs want. Um, for yeah. us. Uh, it's it's dirty, it's ugly, it's corrupt. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of have this... It, it's, it's hard because like, I don't follow the Canadian politics like the way I follow American politics. But every time something like that happens, I'm just like, oh my God. I, it's like, I don't even have words for it because it's so... Like if that happened here, like we'd be able to fight it. We'd be like, whoa, hold on a minute. We got lawyers. But it's like, as soon as something happens there, they strike it dead. You yeah. know, like how long were they trapped in their country for? You know, like can't leave their country. Can they leave their country now? I don't know. Like, I mean, they weren't allowed to leave their country um, if they were unvaccinated, you know. So it, it, I just, I, 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 I weep for Canada. I feel me too. what's going on there. Trudeau is a tyrant. Um and he's not hiding it. Um, they're they're all just very cocky. The world leaders now, um, you know. So yeah, I I just feel bad. I, I just yeah, feel v- bad. James says uh, Viva Fry fled Canada to Florida too. I met him at uh, at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, and he's another great guy and and brilliant. And I, he he goes hard in the paint against Trudeau. I absolutely love it. Uh, one other comment, uh, super chat from Anticommy says endorsing Biden gave her a shot at being the brown woman selected for VP. Instead, they picked the lady she destroyed, and that being Kamala Harris. Good point. And never forget <laughs> that Tulsi destroyed. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that was that was the highlight of her campaign, no doubt about it. Uh, well, thank, thank you so much for joining me, Josie. Uh, I, we had about 100 live viewers throughout this stream, and that's better than I normally do, uh, and it's all due to your in- incredible intellect and stunning beauty. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow you. You can follow me at TRHL official. I am the redheaded libertarian. Well, she's got like 
three million followers at this point. So make sure you get on there. It's about you're, you're going to look like a bandwagoner if you don't do it soon. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. And while you're here, make sure you hit like, you hit subscribe, you leave a comment, do the damn thing. I appreciate appreciate you guys. We're out. Oh, by the way, uh, coming up this week, we're going to have on uh, Anomaly. I'm also going to have on Royce from Revenge of the Sis. And then uh, next week, it'll also be Alex Stein. So Dave Smith after that, a uh, bunch, of, bunch of other star-studded lineup. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you guys subscribe. Thank you. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin' A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit A win over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic I ripped for 59 Miles to ratio That black guns matter Now all these lefties Got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war But we're ready You know I be bopping And rock steady Liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus is scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows Just don't get treated like a hoe Thank you.